Hi, and welcome to Moral High Ground, where I talk about what's morally right, or what you think is morally right. Somebody's right. Anyway, I said before in episode uh, three of this podcast about what's being stronger, living in a city or living in a country. I thought about it sometimes. I'm thinking maybe living in the sea might make someone more stronger than either the country or the city. Why? I mean, you're first off, not on land. Some people get very seasick, you know, very seasick, uh, can't digest the food well, you know, some people don't like seafood, shellfish and stuff, they're allergic to it. Um, The work is harder, more intense, I think, for them to go out and in the cold and hard, rough waters, crabbing and uh, catching tuna, you know, which I thought was a small fish, believe it or not. Basically, I think because of, you know, you eat little uh, sardines and stuff like that. So you think, you know, in cans, and then you got tuna in cans, so you think, oh, it's a small fish, but then, you know, when it came out with that Wicked Tuna show, I was like, holy crap, that's some big-ass fish. <laughs> so, I don't know. I'm just thinking that the sea life might be more stronger than the city life and country life combined, in a way, because you're not living on land. The benefits, I think, to living in the sea is the fact that it's uncharted territory. It's not uh, owned by anybody. It's not owned by any nation. And you can actually just get in a boat and sail away, you know, and I know that's the song and all that crap, but honestly, you can get in a boat and you can sail port to port. You can actually go fishing, crab fishing, go port to port, delivering fish, picking up things from different ports, going to different countries, uh, taking people and put them on your boat if you got enough room, you know. I think it'd be more convenient. Now, you could probably say it's a simple life, but it's not, because you constantly got to be worried about the vessel you're in, whether it be a big ship, a yacht, tiny little cruiser boat, fishing boat, whatever kind of boat it is. You got to constantly be aware it has the things you need. If it's a sailboat, does the sails work properly? Do you have enough fuel for the thing? Or can you make a solar-powered boat with you know, this is something I thought about recently, too. It's like, the solar power is supposed to be this main thing. Well, if you had a boat that was solar powered with, you know, a sailboat, let's put it this way, with solar powers, then ultimately you can never run out of, you know, energy. The sun's always up. You're out there in the middle of the ocean. You know, you can sail all day while the wind is going and let the... You know, solar power pick up all its energy, and then at night when maybe there's no wind, some because some places there's no wind at night. You know, you can just go on and sail with the power of the solar power. Now, the one problem is that there's so many people on Earth now, and fish is a, a food that is eating a lot, a lot of seafood. So we're losing a lot of uh, sea life which would make it hard to survive if there's not enough food for everybody. So I would say that the best way to 
live on the seas, have a ship big enough to where you could actually try to create more fish, you know, make a hatchery type of thing on a boat, and every time you think you got enough fish or whatever, you throw them in the water, maybe they live and survive, and maybe they become food for other creatures, maybe it will level out the food chain, and maybe, uh, you know, increase more habitats for sea life, I mean, I don't know. And maybe I'm saying it all wrong, but this is just something I ponder these things. I've been thinking about, you know, sea life a lot lately. That doesn't mean my mind is going to drift. Like they usually say that when someone goes crazy, your mind's going to drift. But every now and then you sit around, you start thinking and stuff. When you deal with people a lot, a man starts to think this way. He'd be like, well, I need to find a farm. I need to get this and that. <laughs> This is why I think of these things. I dealt with so many, so much negativity, so many things where I isolate myself because I just simply can't stand dealing with stupidness, ignorance, as you should say. You know, it just it comes to a point where you're like, okay, I need to get things done, and I don't care about trying to fit in or trying to get acceptance from people who don't even accept themselves half the time. And it's honestly got true. A lot of people hate themselves. And so they'll try to put that burden on you. It's just ridiculous. You know, and there's, you know, how would you say it? Use you to compensate for how they feel. But uh, anyway, I was going on this whole thing about oh, five, six years ago about, hmm, sea life sounds good. And like I mentioned, Wicked Tuna, I was watching that, and I was all into the the one where they're, you know, crab fishing, I don't know what the hell that's called now, or Deadliest Catch or some shit, you know. And the one I liked the most was the river monster one, where the guy goes out and he fishes for, you know, sea monsters and all this crap, and he goes to Chernobyl and he finds out there's mutated catfish or whatever the hell, you know. And I was getting really into this, like, hey, I can live on a boat. I can go out there, you know. And Pirates of the Caribbean also made me want to go out there, like, fuck it, why not live on the sea? Yeah, you know, I'm not thinking about being a pirate. I'm just thinking how fun it'd be to have my own boat and go where the fuck I want and go to other countries. <laughs> That's what the movie did to me. Made me think, hey, I can go on a boat and I can just sail this country, start some shit, go sail to another country. <laughs> it sounds so stupid, but it's the truth. And uh, what was so odd about it was about, oh, four years into this little weird obsession or fantasy of mine, I went over to my friend Josh's house, and he was going through the same nonsense. He had his whole plan, though, structured out to learn how to sail a boat. He had a boat that he was planning to get in the harbor around a, a certain part of P Portland or Oregon. Uh I forget how much it cost. I think it was like seventy to maybe uh like seventy to like maybe two hundred thousand dollars for his boat. And I mean he had the pictures of it, he he wanted to buy it or whatever. I forget what happened to it. I don't I don't remember. I think they did he did buy it or he sailed on it for a minute and I think it's gone now, I'm not sure. I haven't asked him, even though we've been in contact billions of times lately, you know, I've been over there a couple of times, but it's just odd. It's like the same thought I had, this man had, 
went a little further instead of me doing my little research on books and then TV and stuff and went on trying to find it. I did do some research on books, so for it was way out of my price range. I started getting obsessed with yachts and and uh old like shipping boats like with you know, shipping container boats and and well sailboats. And so that's where my little venture ended and began and whatever the hell when it came to the sailboats. Now, I'm not saying that that's the perfect life. And I'm not saying that makes you the strongest of the strong. I'm just saying that maybe it is. Because you mean you're dealing with a whole environment most humans aren't used to. And I think that's why the Navy thinks they're stronger than the Army. Maybe, you know, because they're at sea. They're out there. They're dealing with the elements. They're dealing with the water. It could be a typhoon, a, a whirlpool, any damn thing. You suck you in. You be going through all kinds of hell. And there's something called a white wall. I can't remember what movie or show it was where the some thick woman kept saying, "There's a white wall coming," and, and you know, like they're gonna die if they hit this white wall. And I never heard of that shit before till I seen it on some movie or TV show. And I was like, "What the hell's a white wall?" So I mean, there's so much things to learn out in the ocean that you probably wouldn't realize. In country, you know, it's supposed to be a simple life. But you got to think of it. It's not so simple if you constantly got to work and find ways to survive and feed yourself. You got to make yourself comfortable and you got to find people to work with you on your place. If not, if you're Superman or Ubermensch, you should be able to do it just fine. But it's all reality. You need some kind of help. You need some kind of support. You need to be able to get supplies and everything. So simple life isn't that real simple. But to a rich man, a simple life is just sitting on a yacht and having some big, hot, sexy chick with boobies come up and give you drinks and sandwiches while you drink some fancy drink you never heard of before in your life. You know, while some butler guy goes, Excuse me, sir, we have your martini, and your friends will be coming strictly from Buffalo. <laughs> some people will be coming straight from Harvard. And then, yeah. And I got this big professor coming from Oxford. You know, that's some weird crap. I don't know. I'm just saying that. Uh, you know, teas and crumpets. I don't know. But that's a simple life. It was just sitting back, not doing shit, and getting yourself pampered. For a rich person, that's what it is. But you can't really feed into that because obviously, in some cases, a rich person's life. Very boring, and that's why they do a lot of stuff we call extreme now, like extreme sports or any kind of thing. You know, you never know. I know that's far off from what's going on, but if being on a yacht, doing nothing, hanging out in party places is a simple life, then think about having your own boat, going wherever you want. Like I said, go dock to dock, selling fish or getting fish or buying merchandise and selling it to another country for cheap or whatever or getting it for cheap and selling it for more I don't know but either way you must be living a simple life if you can figure it out but a yacht is ran on a lot of fuel and as someone that knows how to drive it properly unlike you where you probably have no clue what the hell is going on which would be like me at the same point but you know, there's a time and a place for everything, and maybe 
the time and the places to try to find one of the three and see what makes sense. But to me, living in the city is more of a burden because without your skill levels up in education or any kind of business uh, mine or, you know, stocks or job, you know, sense or politics, there's no point living in a city. If you cannot succeed, I think the whole purpose of city life is to try to become a businessman, politician, lawyer, something of that nature, something where you're some kind of professional businessman trying to be a CEO or something. Other than that, the city life is just people living on top of people, pissing each other off, while gangs run around, causing chaos, cops constantly constantly make conflict with gangs and other people that might look at a certain race of these gangs, you know, drug addicts, uh, getting constantly addicted to whatever the, they can find from their drug dealers. So city life is just really complicated. Not to mention that women are getting raped and sexually abused or women are abusing and manipulating and deceiving to get what they want. And you know, it just goes back and forth all over the place. So much chaos, so much pain and suffering. And I, you know, believe you feel less of that when you go to the country. you got things you want to do, things you're trying to create, things you're trying to build, things you can have fun. Go dig a hole, burn a fire, play your guitar, eat some freaking s'mores, okay? <laughs> That's simplified. Go out on the boat. Sit back, you know, pull out a pole, start fishing on the side of a boat. You know what I mean? You know, do what makes you happy with less consequences of people telling you, why are you doing this? What are you doing that for? I mean, ultimately, you would cut down so many social services and mental illness places if you took the people who don't truly fit in the city out of the city. And that's just my thing, okay? It's emotionally disturbing. Nowadays, they try to say everybody has some kind of mental illness. They say, you got anxiety, it's a mental illness. You got depression, it's a mental illness. Well, these certain mental illnesses they talk about where they act like it's lifelong can be fixed if a person sits back and analyzes themselves and figures out what's wrong with them. But if you can have anxiety, obviously, if you're doing drugs and shit, or, you know what I'm saying, is just stop doing a drug. No more anxiety. You know, and it just comes the same way with, with with a lot of things. But when it comes to people with true emotional disorders, they're not being helped. They're getting overlooked by the drug addicts. They're getting overlooked by the person that was sexually abused. You know, and just all kinds of stuff. You know, I have PSD. There's a lot of soldiers out there who have PSD. And I bet they come home because they talk about it in so many different shows. People, I mean, I know vets, they don't like how, you know, they came back and they don't get treated well. They don't get nothing special. They end up, some of them in wheelchairs, some of them in canes and stuff. And it's sad. They spend their life fighting for a country that will easily turn their back on them or not give them the time of day. There was this thing years ago around, oh, I think it was 2007 or 2011 years ago, like I said. And there was this whole thing about this Patriot thing, support the troops. And I got involved in it because it was the funniest part of the story. There was this car named Shelby. <laughs> it was like 
Shelby GT500 Patriot Edition. And the whole point was if you can buy a certain amount of tickets in this raffle, you'll be able to get the Shelby GT. Shelby GT500. So I filled in, I don't know how many dumb tickets I bought for this stupid raffle. Hopefully I can get this car as well as try to support the troops. And I didn't get the car, of course, but it still would have been nice because it was worth about 500000 um, so forth, or maybe that was the money you were going to get with the car. I can't remember. It's so long ago now. But my point was, I don't think the troops truly got that money. I think it was a big step of some kind. And maybe they did, maybe they didn't, but there's too many vets I see out here that doesn't get any support. Don't get the medical treatment they need. It's pushed to the side as if they're a burden to society when they spent their life trying to fight for society and for what's right. And they shouldn't be shunned. These type of people deserve a simple life after you fought for a whole nation, a whole group of people who could easily just sit back and discredit you and turn their back on you. These people deserve more. We all deserve more. And I think it's time to figure it out. I mean, some people, like I said, are not educated for city life to become a businessman and CEO. Those people belong in the country or something. And as for the boats, one type of people I think deserve to be on a boat, and I know this sounds a little odd, but it would make more sense and probably make more of a man out of people, is the homeless people. Some of these homeless people deserve to have their own boats. They should have a fleet. And when I say they should have a fleet, I mean they should put certain groups. We got places like, I think it was New York that had over 100,000 homeless people. Uh, Las Vegas has 43,000 homeless people and probably more because there's underground tunnels they're living in. They had a whole special on, I think it was CNN or something I was watching. And uh, my thing with that is Let's help them. Let's help them all find a place that they can want to move to. How can they do that? Let's get a big boat. Let's take some of them old boats from back in the day that no one rides anymore. Fix them up. Put new stuff in. Like I said, the solar panel things. Make a crew, you know, and let them go sell out, sell out for new life and new sexualizations, you know. <laughs> Let them go to places that most American homeless people have never been before. And let them go journey out and find places in different countries they might want to live. Let them venture out and get food and so forth, you know. To me, America's concept of, of I, mean, I don't know, I'll, just, I'll say that for another day. I'm just going to say that America's the only country where People can come in from anywhere and be considered American as they follow a couple guidelines. Everybody else, they're stuck with the country they're in. Yeah, they can defect. They can do dual citizenship. Stuff like that. But America accepts all kinds of people, but yet all the people in America don't get along. And I think that we have to fix what's going on in America before we keep accepting more people into the country. And that's the problem with this whole people going over the border thing, and that's just another topic that I'm not going to get into, but which I also believe, though, that it is good 
to have these people come over here because in a way I'm just saying not all the way I'm just saying like you need diversity you need change you need a little variety you know and it would lock it would lower the probably lower the race problem you know but people have to be open to doing things together with different races and so with all that being said you know like I said different races is getting along <laughs> I'm saying races is <laughs> but you know what I mean and I just think that's what needs to happen people need to come together understand each other better in this country form a group together in this country now I'm not just talking about when I was talking about the homeless, I'm going back to that real quick. I'm not trying to say just put them in a boat and let them go out there and say fuck them. Have someone train them how to use a boat. I'm trained how to use the oars, the telescope, all this stuff, nets, uh, you know, rescue boats, you know, all kind of things. How to pull down the dang uh, flanks and all kind of stuff, you know, whatever. But teach them how to do that type of stuff. As well as try to encourage them to be more, how can I say this, stronger with how they do things. And not just do it that way, make it more like it's a job once they sign on, you know, to have some kind of payment, you know, thing going on. But you make it like Star Trek, they go out, they got doctors on the boat, they got scientists on the boat, or marine biologists, you know to work with them and so they all learn a different still and you know I just think that there would be a level of understanding that would, would benefit the people and they won't be homeless and they'll be together as a crew and a family you know and that's just something I'm thinking about thought about you know and hopefully the understanding is where I went from the beginning of this is to see what's stronger to see the country or city and in between there's the woods but the woods and the country kind of go together you know all four concepts together makes for humanity and for humanity to be strong there has to be a connection but the connection has to go somewhere there's a religious group I won't say which that have a great concept but the concept is only based off of their race as well as their belief system. They believe that, like I said, I won't tell you what religion. You'll have to go out and do your journey. That's what got me all this lovely spiritual knowledge when it comes to the Bible and every other pretty much religious on the world, religious culture, belief system. I don't like really, I really don't like saying religion really, but I'm saying it because that's what people are used to hearing. But, there's a belief system they have, not just a belief system, something they put into practice where they go out, like I said, they only worry about their culture, and they go out and they say, okay, here's this guy, his wife got killed, he has two daughters and a son, he's living on his own, and he's paying money to help his uh, father in a nursing home, but he's not making enough, he only makes $24 an hour. And it's hard to support him, and he's losing his house because he's got mortgage or something. You know, I'm just giving a scenario. 
So this group, this religious group, goes and they find everybody that's in their group. Let's say they have 80 people all together in their religious set. And they go around and tell each 80 person, hey, do you want to support five, ten dollars to help this man? And everybody comes together and brings five, ten dollars. Now we say there's 80 people in this congregation. So if you have 80 people and you got 10, oh hell, if you got five from everybody, how much do you think that would be added up to with 80 people? It's the same thing with ten dollars. It's going to be enough money to help them out. And so my concept with that is to spread, take that concept and put it with practice and not just put it into practice with your own culture like they did. That makes sense, but when it's better, like I said, we have to build a connection. We have to build an understanding between people. Okay. The one boy said it good in the movie, but now he's bald-headed and he's short and dumpy and he was in that show featured man. <laughs> but, you know, pay it forward is what that was called. But the thing about it is, why not, if you got a little neighborhood, a little society, come together. You know, I don't know what barrel of town you live in, but if your barrel knows everybody, and then there's somebody that people worry about, well, go help that person. Pull everyone together. Hey, man, you got 10 bucks to help this person out. Have someone that's well-trusted, well-respected, that you know has no dirt, no demons in the closets, no vamps under the bed, you know, and ask that person, hey, do you want to be in charge of helping us try to fix this guy's problem or this woman's problem? Can we come together, each of us bring $20 together, you know, and be able to help this person? I'm pretty positive a lot of good understanding will come across like that. A lot of people will come closer. People who felt isolated for years will come out and go, oh my God, I got friends, people who care about me. It'll bring more love and respect and honor to so many people in the country. And it will make the country more stronger. Don't have to rely on the government. Don't have to rely on employment, social security. No. We rely on each other. We go out. We talk to someone. Someone says, hey, my aunt, she lost her daughter. She's can't work, you know, because she broke her leg or her foot had foot surgery and her husband's, you know, sick, you know, he's got like cancer or something. We need to help him, you know. So we come together. People at her former job come together, bring forty bucks from each person. Or our neighbors come together, they all got twenty bucks, you know, however big the neighborhood is, however big the area of the barrel is that side of town that, that woman lives in. Come together and you help that person out. Just a little, like, you know, like they say in a commercial, just 10 cents a day will help this little African live and eat his little cheese or bread or something, okay? <laughs> and I'm telling you, that'll make a stronger connection between all people. The person that is stronger, whether it be in the city, country, the woods, or on a boat in the middle of the sea, the person that is stronger is the person that cares unconditionally and will do anything to help their fellow man 
and bring warmth and joy when they come in your life. This has been Moral High Ground. I'm your host, Shelby Lee Kyles, saying peace be with you, blessings upon you all, and have an excellent day, and sleep well tonight. Peace.